This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hi, I'm Adam Berkmans, and today we're making venison kalaji masala, or liver curry. This recipe was created by Dustin Carroll, a field staff writer for Harvesting Nature. He writes, Since moving to Northern Virginia, I've noticed there's a large amount of Eastern cuisine around me serving Indian, Afghan, and Pakistani dishes. There are a lot of new plates to try, and so far, I've yet to find anything I don't like. One of my favorite dishes is curry, Indian or Thai. Indian curry is usually darker than its Thai equivalent due to the different herbs and cooking times. Although liver is one of the highest sources of nutrients providing iron, copper, vitamin A, B, folic acid, and coenzyme Q10, which helps heart health, it is not always common to find someone who loves liver. There is a common misconception that liver stores all of the toxins, when in fact it has been scientifically proven the liver has no higher toxin levels than the rest of the body. This recipe is an attempt to educate those on the fence about eating liver because with the right preparation, anyone can enjoy the taste of venison liver. This is my take on kalaji masala, which means liver cooked in spices. If liver is too strong, try soaking in milk for up to an hour before preparation. This will neutralize the flavor, however, it will remove a lot of nutrients. The curry we'll be preparing in this recipe will serve only one person, so multiply the ingredients accordingly if you plan to be serving more. This curry can be enjoyed over white rice, garnished with cilantro, and enjoyed with pita bread, naan, or with just a fork. Some ingredients can be substituted for taste, so I'll notate that in the ingredients list. Thanks, Dustin. Like Dustin mentioned, liver is incredibly healthy and is a rich source of vitamins, nutrients, and minerals, and can be very tasty. So why is it so universally reviled? There are a number of factors contributing to this, including the way it's cooked, childhood dinnertime trauma, health fads, World War II, livers linked to poverty, race, and class, a growing disassociation with meat as animal flesh, 
and modern day television's approach to organ meats. Let's break it down, why don't we? Number one, the way it's cooked. Like many organ meats, liver needs to be cooked in a certain fashion, or it's just kind of gross. Overcooked liver is simultaneously pasty, crumbly, grainy, strong tasting, irony, chewy, and overall just plain unpleasant to eat. Properly cooked liver on the other hand is silky, snappy like a well-made sausage, mild and tender. Liver should be eaten when the middle is still pink, or it should be slow cooked until very soft. Anything in the middle will likely turn you off from livers forever. Speaking of being turned off forever, that leads us into number two, childhood dinnertime trauma. Many of us over a certain age, including me, have traumatic dinnertime liver memories. Let me paint a picture. You're sitting down to dinner as a child. What's it gonna be tonight? Spaghetti? Pork chops? Doesn't smell like anything good. Your mom drops down a plate of overcooked liver and onions with some boiled vegetables on the side to your immense alarm and disappointment. Eat your liver, it's good for you, she commands. You poke at the grotesque slab of purpley brown meat on your plate, eventually cutting a small piece off and swallowing it like a duck so you don't have to chew it on the gnarly, nasty, disgusting stuff. You're still at the dinner table an hour later while your family watches Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman on the TV in the next room. They're hurling admonishments at you to just finish your plate, but you just can't do it. Hmm, that exact experience sounds very familiar. Experiences like these leave an indelible impression on kids who will refuse to touch liver for the rest of their lives so they never have to go through that trauma again. They also promise themselves never to put their kids through it either, so liver never makes it into the grocery basket. Many had the same kind of thing happening with Brussels sprouts, but then one day, tried roasted Brussels sprouts with bacon and maple syrup, and were like, whoa, these can be awesome. Well, the same can be said for liver. Number three, health fads. The reason your mom was so adamant to get you to eat that liver was that it was known to be very healthy for you. But then it wasn't. In the fat and cholesterol scare of the 80s and 90s, and I swear it's still happening today for some reason, people were suddenly worried about liver, which does carry a high amount of both. Fat is bad. Cholesterol will kill you. Avoid all foods with fat and cholesterol. Eat sugar instead. Sugar, sugar, sugar. Suddenly, liver and other organ meats were vilified and removed from the list of healthy foods you should be jamming down your kids' throats. Today's health fads may actually be swinging the other way on the pendulum. Popular diets like keto, carnivore, paleo, and others recommend eating liver regularly. Number 4. World War II The World War has greatly affected the way North Americans eat, and is a very interesting subject, but how does it pertain to liver? During World War II, Canadians and Americans were asked to ration their food supplies so that more food could be sent overseas to the soldiers fighting there. Most of the muscle meat grown in North America was shipped out to the soldiers, and so the government asked our at-home populace to eat more variety meats, as they called them, which spoiled faster and couldn't as easily be sent overseas. Magazine and newspaper articles quickly came out teaching people how to cook these variety meats, which included liver, and people left at it with gusto. When the war ended though, most people became quite prosperous and organs began to fall out of favor again. Soldiers were used to meat and those who had stayed home could actually easily afford it. Liver quickly fell out of favor once more. 
Many people did happen to develop a taste for liver during this time though, which can be seen even today. Just head to a lunchtime diner where the clientele are all sporting white hair and you'll notice everyone ordering the daily special, calf's liver and onions. Number five, liver is linked to poverty, race, and class. So who was eating liver pre and post World War II? Well, it was mostly poor folks. This has actually been happening for a very long time. You'll notice that organ meats are called the same on the plate as they are in the body. Liver is liver is liver is liver. But when we talk about actual meat, the names change. Pig is pork, cow is beef, sheep is mutton. Pig back is pork chops, cow loin is steak, belly is bacon, beef shoulders chuck. This is because the poor in England never got to eat the actual meat. They instead raised the animals for the rich to eat. The rich didn't deal with the animals, but got to sit down to eat meat every night. The poor at the time spoke Old Germanic English, which is where the names of most of those animals comes from, while the rich spoke Norman French, which is where the names of the meat comes from. The rich likely never bothered with the organ meats like liver, so they all have only one name in English. Something similar happened in the States. Enslaved African Americans and very poor people were forced to eat whatever was left over after the rich people were done eating. That mostly included organ meats. Think fatback, oxtails, pig feet, chitlins, hogma, gizzards, turkey necks. All popular soul food items today. Eventually organ meats like liver came to be associated with poor and or with black people and classism and racism wormed its way into the American diet. If you were affluent, or if you wanted to come off as affluent, you weren't going to be serving liver to your dinner guests. Number six, a growing disassociation with meat as animal flesh. This ties into the last point as well. If I say I'm going to serve you liver, your mind can easily jump to thinking of the liver in your own body, or maybe a big raw wobbly liver on a plate, or maybe even an eviscerated animal. But if I say I'm going to serve you steak, your mind thinks of brown, delicious meat, maybe with grill marks, summer barbecues, and all-around fun. Now what if I said I was going to cook you up a nice slab of cow hip for you, or a thick slice of pig back? Your mind doesn't go to balmy summer barbecues now, does it? People in the modern era are very disconnected from where their food comes from, and for the most part, they're okay with that. People don't like to be reminded that the food they're eating actually came from a living animal. Any real reminder of that can quickly get a person thinking about switching over to vegetarianism. Meat today is served on styrofoam trays in pretty grocery stores and is far removed from the messy blood and guts that comes with meat production. Most of us are happy to let distant, unthought of people do all that dirty work for us. Thinking of liver and other organ meats brings you right back to that pile of blood and guts and so is a hard pill to swallow for many people who would rather not think of it at all. Now don't get me started on what I think about that. The funny part is that many of those same people do eat organ meats regularly. It's just in the form of hot dogs, sausages, and other processed foods. Disguise the organs and people eat it right up. You'll notice that many hunters seem to be much more open to eating liver and other organs. I would say that is because they know full well where their meat comes from. Now if only they could cook it right. If you're a hunter who has traditionally left the liver in the field, try bringing it home this season. Trim it of any membranes or veins and cut it into half-bound pieces. 
cook one up fresh, and freeze the rest in well-sealed plastic bags for later. Look to Harvesting Nature for amazing liver recipes. Lastly, number seven, modern-day media's approach to organ meats. The media subliminally affects the way we think of many things, including food and organ meat. Think of where you may see organ meats displayed on TV. The first thing that comes to my mind are shows like Fear Factor and Bizarre Foods. People are seeing organs like liver through that lens, then no wonder they feel squeamish about it. Now think about everything I've said. If you're still squeamish about liver, could it be for any of the reasons above? Maybe it's time to try it out. Now don't go and try a big slab of seared liver and onions for your first go at it. How about you start off with something smaller and highly seasoned, like Justin's Kalaji Masala. This recipe serves one person, but can be multiplied to serve more. It takes about 30 minutes to prepare and about 40 minutes to cook. Ingredients 8 ounces venison liver Can substitute for lamb or beef. 1 half white onion, minced or sliced. 1 tablespoon minced garlic. 3 quarter tablespoons paprika. Half a tablespoon of ground ginger. Half a tablespoon red chili powder. Half a tablespoon of salt. One tablespoon of butter. One and a half cups of coconut milk. Cilantro for garnish. Add green chilies if you want to add a little extra spice at the end. One serving of cooked white rice, seven to eight ounces. Whole wheat pita bread or naan bread to serve. Preparation. In a pot, place one serving of white rice and set to boil for eight to 10 minutes. Set second stove top to medium heat. Place minced or sliced onions in a skillet or pan for five to seven minutes until they just start to brown. Add coconut milk and spices and cook for an additional five to seven minutes, letting it simmer. Add the liver and cover the skillet, letting it cook for five minutes. Three minutes covered and two minutes without the lid and the heat turned up to high. Reduce the curry to your preferred texture. Add butter and chopped green chilies if you want more spice. The longer it stays in the skillet, the more it will resemble a paste or a sauce. If you prefer more of a liquid curry, turn the burner off, cover and let rest for five to 10 minutes then serve. If you want a thicker curry, cook off the desired amount of liquid, then turn off the heat and remove the skillet from the burner and place on a resting pad. Dish up the rice in a bowl and cover with the curry. Garnish with cilantro and enjoy with a fork, pita bread, or naan. For more great wild fish and game recipes, be sure to subscribe and follow Antler and Finn.